Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of The Referees at Tanker. My name is Liam Shanley, and again, once as, as always, I'm joined on the line by Mr. Michael Berthin and Mr. Martin Shanley. How are we doing, gentlemen? All good. Good to hear, yeah. mate. Good. Good. As always, another action-packed podcast. Scores north and south of the border. Coming to the end of the season where there's plenty of action happening. Semi-finals up in Scotland. Plenty of midweek games from England. Trip around Europe. And then we'll see what's happening for next week. Right, so breaking tradition, we're going to move down and have a look at the midweek games in the English Premiership. It started off on Tuesday night. We did discuss them in last week's pod to some degree, but Wolves were 2 0 winners at home to Crystal Palace. Villa beat Fulham 1 0 at home, and Leeds and Leicester drew one each. The Wednesday scene, Forrest beating uh, Brighton and Hove Albion. Chelsea lose 2-0 at the bridge to Brentford. Liverpool were 2-1 winners at the London Stadium against West Ham. And the big, big game of the week seen Man City hammer Arsenal 4-1. Thursday, there was now a few games where Everton's come to a 4-1 defeat at home to Newcastle United. Southampton lost the South Coast Derby 1-0 at home to Bournemouth and Tottenham came from behind to draw 2-2 with Man United at White Hart Lane. Some amount of games, guys. Which ones did you did you see? Which ones were you impressed with? Do you think that's the, the title now over Man City's, Sean? Um, yeah, coupled with Man City's win at Fulham, over the weekend, I think that Arsenal got too big a task to get themselves back involved, even by beating Chelsea on Tuesday night. I think they're going to struggle to to claw back that difference. Man City are just clicking it in the gear. I feel like it's just a matter of time before they just extend that gap before it gets shortened. Um, again, big results. Chelsea, I mean, I don't know if we're even more surprised. I don't think we're even surprised anymore by Chelsea getting beat by Brentford. That's how poor they've become. They've just become irrelevant in this um, Premier League season and they need it to end rapid. Um, I know the Forest got a big win against Brighton on the Wednesday, but obviously then got beat by Brentford late on on the Saturday. So the, the league table is kind of bunching up down the bottom. It's becoming quite interesting. Yeah. Martin, any other notes from last midweek's games? I've seen bits of the Man City Arsenal game because I was watching Inter and Juventus at the same time. Uh, but I was flicking over every time... Ugh, Arsenal just shoot themselves in the foot with some of their defending. Um, De Bruyne's goals are a good goal, but I think Ramsdale should do better. Mm. Other goals, mm, Arsenal just looked a bit shaky at the back yet again. Um, Tottenham Man U on Thursday was really disappointing from my United point of view. 2-0 up, comfortable, cruising. And then they just took the foot off the pedal let Tottenham back in it. Just like it was, yesterday. Same um, against, it was the same against uh, Sevilla as well, though, in the home yeah. leg, wasn't it? Where they went 2-0 up and then kind of slipped away. They've got a nasty habit of doing that this season when they've been in control of games and they've they've let it slip. And they've let it slip that much that they've let teams back into it and it just makes it look like a bad result. Yeah. That game, we should really have taken Tottenham to the cleaners and we've never done it. Let them back in. Fair credit to Tottenham for coming back, but United you know, should have that game sewn up. In, um, terms, of, in yeah. terms of relegation... Uh, Southampton obviously getting beat 1-0 off uh, Bournemouth. We had said last week that that was a massive game for them and if they had any chance to stay in the league, that was a game they were probably going to have to pick up some points in. They lost 1-0. Yep. Everton, 
Everton getting beat 4-1 as well. We talked about when Sean Dyche came in that he'd have to make Goodison a fortress almost and hard to score, but Newcastle scoring four goals, that's another one that's looking ominous now, isn't it? It really is. Um, I find it a little bit more concerning as the weeks go on forever and they just they just can't stop conceding goals. They just can't stop conceding goals. Don't get wrong, Newcastle are a good outfit. And also they, they, they took Southampton eventually to the cleaners on um, on Sunday, but still, Everton, goodness me, I don't know what's going to happen with them. They've got Leicester tonight, away from home. And you've got to think to yourself, whoever does get beat, if Leicester edge it or, or Everton edge it, the other one's going to be in serious trouble. But I don't fancy Everton's chances. I really don't. I think Sean Dice when he was brought in, he was he was there to make them stronger, make them defensively stronger. But like Bob said, some of the goals they've conceded at home, they've lost three goals at home to Fulham, they lost four goals at home to Newcastle. Yep. And some of the goals they can I mean that fair credit to the boy Isaac for setting up that goal. I mean he's skinned Woo-hoo. half the team, but come on, somebody's got to put a tackle in there. Oh, yeah, it's incredible, incredible individual skill. Incredible skill, but yeah. I know, but then on the defensive side there, you've got to be saying, Come on, somebody's got to be putting a foot in there. Exactly. That's what it's I was about to say. So easy. From an attacking perspective, the 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 ease in which he cut through them was incredible from his from an attacking point of view, but like you said, from a defensive standpoint, you've got to be thinking, how has he picked yep. the ball up in the corner flag where he's got two to three bodies around him? He's been along the byline with two players that could have easily put him out for a corner and he's dinked to pass them on and it's ended up in the net. It's crazy. Shocking defending. You've got to think that whoever loses tonight puts a big nail in their coffin for going down. Yep. But also, if, both, if it was to be a draw, it doesn't help either of them either. So... No, nope. it's it's uh, certainly going to be interesting. Yep. Right. Uh, up in Scotland, we had the two semi-finals. Saturday's game seen Inverness beat Falkirk three 0 in front of just over thirteen thousand. Um, and the Sunday seen Celtic versus Rangers with a first half goal by Jota being enough to get Celtic into the final. Did you guys catch the games at all? I did. Watch both of them. What do you make of them, Sean? Um, I felt like Falkirk's game hinged on them taking the chance to get themselves back in there after conceding the early penalty. The penalty is a penalty. As much as we're not a massive fan of the rules when a body's going towards the ball and his arm, but his arm was dangling out, and it's the right decision at the end of the day, given the the current rules. But the the chance when it's broke to the boy Morrison, Marty was it Morrison. Cal Morrison, I. Cal Morrison, his open goal when he's he's managed to hit the post from far out on the the right touchline, but should be scoring. That changes the complexion. Emres get the the break that the allows them to then go to the park at the second, not long after, and then Falkirk are chasing it after that. So I, that was that was one, and then the Celtic game was actually it was it was a brilliant game for quality, but I felt like a lot happened. Um, some meaty challenges. The, the crowd was pretty good. And as a spectacle, um, you kind of wish that was a final as opposed to a semi. But Rangers sleeping for the goal and, and Jota gets the goal ahead of Tavernier at the back post. It almost goes to show how much better an atmosphere you can get when you've got both sets of fans in the one stadium. Now, both of them just now have stopped the away fans coming in for their home games. But it takes away from the spectacle a bit. And it just showed, as you said, Shan, that the atmosphere was incredible on the, the Sunday with both sets of fans in the stadium. 
Yeah, I agree. Like we said, we, we discussed it briefly last week, or um, saying that Inverness and Falkirk, based on the capacity of crowd they could have brought to the game, the kickoff time, the ticket price in, if that was a if that thirteen fourteen thousand whatever the the attendance was, if that was at Tynecastle and Easter Road, arguably at Tannadice, it would have been absolutely rocking. It would have been it would have came across a lot better. Um, but it, it did feel quite quiet. And but Inverness were just better in Falkirk and Celtic edged at Rangers. So we've got a decent final coming up for <laughs> for Celtic. Hard one for Inverness. Yeah. Right. We'll go back down south and check on the scores from the weekend. Um, the Saturday seeing Crystal Palace beating West Ham four three and an absolute thriller of a game. Brentford were two one winners against Nottingham Forest at home, having come back from behind late on. And Brighton smashing Wolves for six with a 6-0 win. The Sunday scene, Bournemouth beating Leeds 4-1, which almost secures their Premiership status now. Man City were 2-1 winners against Fulham at the Cottage. Man United overcame Aston Villa in a 1-0 win at Old Trafford. Newcastle again coming from behind to beat Southampton 3-1. And the later kickoff seen a seven-goal thriller with Liverpool edging out Tottenham 4-3. Now, in terms of relegation, um, as we are talking about last week, the, the stats I've got, which gives an indication, it's now given Man City a 92% chance of winning the league and Arsenal 8%. Down the bottom, the three favourites for relegation are Southampton with a 98% chance of being relegated Everton with 67% and Leeds with 58%. Forest slightly better with 53 and Leicester with 24 I think that's just to do with the, the running they have. So yeah, they've got the, the three favourites for going down is Southampton, Everton and Leeds. And with the scores you've seen over the weekend, it's hard to hard to disagree with that. Yeah. Marty, Marty, what did you make of the games? Um, if you're starting off with the relegation... The reason the reason these teams are doing the bottom is is they can't defend. Nottingham Forest one 0 up, eight minutes to go, end up with nothing. Although I will say that that second Brentford goal was debatable because I think the guy standing in front of the goalkeeper, and it obstructs his view. So I think that could have been offside. I think Forest had a decent claim there. Um, watching the highlights this morning of Sunday's games, Leeds, dearie me, they are shipping goals, and some of their defending is beyond comical. It's just. Oh, if you're a Leeds fan, you've got to be seriously worried. Seriously do you think? Worried. Do you think they should have dropped the keeper and brought in a different keeper? That's a few clangers he's had over the last few weeks. I would have dropped. I would have dropped that goalkeeper six weeks ago. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know who Leeds' backup goalkeeper is. That's the problem, though. Who is their backup goalie? Yeah, well, you'll never know unless you play him. Eh? But Melly has made some absolute clangers in the last few weeks, and it's maybe why he's. It's probably why he's staying in goals. That maybe the backup goalkeeper is just inexperienced or as like I said I, I don't even know who the backup goalkeeper is so maybe that's why Melly is keeping his place but some of the goals lead steering me that's why they were, that's why that's where they are right now because they're conceding too many goals and if they keep going they're going to be relegated simple as that yeah but Shan what about you uh, can't agree anymore I mean um, Leeds comical comical at the back they can't concede 40 Bournemouth Five to Palace, six to Liverpool, 
I'm sure they broke their own record by conceding them how many most amount of goals conceded in one calendar month. The previous record was Leeds. Now it's Leeds again. That shows you like it was only like two years ago, I think it was. And they're breaking they just defensively they just look so shambolic, it's unbelievable. And up front, if they are getting goals, it's either irrelevant. I mean one one against four, one against five, one against six. Isn't it like they were kind of one really either leading or getting an equaliser for any real length of time because they they just can't can't stop shipping them at the back. It's concerning. Yeah, the sub goalkeeper for Leeds is Christopher Klassen, who is the Nor- Norway under twenty one keeper. He's go. had one appearance for Leeds and was at Bellingana Bellaringa in Norway before that. So there you go. Yeah, not exactly a, a tried and tested keeper, is he? Yep, that's why Melee is still in goals. Correct. Right. Um Marty, have you talked about the games or uh, the, the other Sunday games, I mean, I've seen bits of them. I, I watched um, I had Rangers and Celtic on, obviously, but we're keeping an eye on our scores and I've seen the highlights of the games this morning. Julian Alvarez go, what a goal. What a classy <laughs> finish. A really good player. Yep. Uh, but Fulham stuck at it and they, they had a couple of wee opportunities in the second half. They could have snuck a draw at that. But it's a big three points for Man City to push them closer to their target. Um, Man U Aston Villa was quite tight. I think United were by far the better team in the first half but Villa were probably the better team in the second half um, it was a good draw for United overall because Aston Villa have been really good lately and Liverpool yeah. Tottenham <laughs> if there's ever a game that sums up Tottenham's season that was it 3-0 down after 13 totally shambolic conceding goals like that was going out of fashion they get themselves back into it with a miracle comeback and then they shoot themselves in the foot straight away um, but obviously there's a couple of debatable VR decisions in that game which Probably the book they got wrong. Let's just say they got wrong. But I think we'll cover that in a minute. But good job for Liverpool, but Tottenham just sums up their season that game. That in ninety minutes have summed up their season. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I've run out of words for um for Brighton. They just seem to surprise me every other week. They took most of their starters out of the team and still managed to score six against a, a relatively informed Wolf side who have kind of picked up under Lopetegui. So wild, wild stuff. Right, uh, that takes us on to the, the big topics and we'll go straight away to what you're talking about, Marty. Yep. Um, the Liverpool-Tottenham game. Now, there's a couple of things I want to talk about in this game. First one, if, uh, question for you guys. Uh, Jota lifting his foot to go for the ball and taking a kick and skip in the face with his studs and was shown a yellow card with the referee not being t- told to go to the monitor to have a look at it for a possible red. What was your take on it, Shan? I've only seen it once, um, and I'm not sure as to how that's not a red card. Don't understand. Um, but, I, I, like I said, I, I, didn't, I only see a, a very quick um, one... Uh, one view of it Marty's seen it more than me so he's probably got a better input both to be fair yeah Marty if that's not a red card where you have lifted your foot above the opponent's head and your studs have lacerated his eye you've seen the blood there's blood on the side of his head it's lacerated the top of his eye now fair enough the referee's seen it he thinks it's just a high boot and he's yellow carded them but VR you've got to be looking at that 
how high his boot was for a start off, and he's cut the player. So for me, if that's if that's not a red card, then I really I, I really don't know what it is because that is it's a red card all day long. There's there's sometimes you can look at these things and you can talk about the player putting his head further down and causing almost some mischief for himself by doing that. But his head is not down. He's he's let into it slightly, but his head's still five foot, six foot off the ground when I was just, Yeah, I was just about to say that. His his head does not like you said, Bob, his head does not go down. If he has lowered his head, then it makes it worse for him. But his head was at head level. He hasn't lowered his head in any way. Jota's foot is like above his head, and that boy skipped must be a good six foot tall. Yeah, his his boot is higher than his head, and it's it's cut him in the top of the. If that's not a red card, then come on. And now, don't get me wrong. I don't think Jota's done it to injure the boy. There's been no malice in it whatsoever. Yeah. But when it comes to endangering an opponent, I mean, mm-hmm. let's be fair. He could have could have easily lost an eye there with the boot going into his face like that, depending yeah. on how he hits it. Could have done lasting damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole endangering opponent, surely that comes into play there. Definitely. But yeah, the other thing I want to talk about is I don't know if you've seen many of the comments, Shan, from Klopp from his after match interview, having a go at the Tierney, the the referee. When Liverpool scored their fourth goal, he runs up to the fourth official and celebrates in the fourth official's face. Now, this is manager of Liverpool, one of the most famous clubs in the world, in the Premier League, who get millions and millions of views. We're talking about referees not being respected, especially seeing kids' games where the kids are berating the referee as well. And you've got the Liverpool manager doing that and then coming out and slagging the referee and his assistants. Surely when you've got that much reach in the game, this is something you should be doing. It's not the first time he's done it either. Did you see it, Marty? What did you make of it? I've seen it. Um, Some of his comments this season and his actions towards others, I mean, other managers, opposition players, fourth officials, linesmen, referees, he is... He is the worst at that. And yeah, you can say, oh, Marty, you're only saying that because he's a local manager. No, I think Liam will back me up on this. Yeah, Klopp, is, how many of his actions towards other people, like I've just said, is, what's the word? Poor. Now, yesterday, he's come. He's coming around and saying that Paul Tierney has come over and booked him and said something to him that he couldn't repeat. Now, the FA have come out today and says they've listened to that the, the referee must have a thing in his ear. It records everything he says. Now they've come out. They've listened to the whole the whole conversation that supposedly had, and Paul Tierney hasn't said anything untowards apparently for the, so the FA are saying. But Klopp's actions I mean running and celebrating in front of the four officials' face. I know he pulled his hamstring as he ran. <laughs> so there you go. There's your karma. But I didn't care what his what his problem is. He's trying to say there's a foul for Liverpool and they build up to Tottenham's third goal. But I didn't see a foul. I seen a foul for Tottenham. But to, he can't do that. He cannot go up to a four officials' face and celebrate like that. I mean, he'll get charged for this. He'll probably get a ban for that, and so he should as well. Yeah. Yeah. Shan, did you see it? I seen the celebration. I find it very odd. He's a man full of excuses for when his team get beat, and he's 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 a sore loser. But he's also appearing to be not a very good winner. I mean, I'm not really sure what 
what your agenda is. Like, don't get me wrong. Everyone's every team and managers have got their gripes about certain referees and oh, he never gives us a decision and he's never he's never kind to us. Um, um, yeah, we we all hear it. We all we're all part of the football world where everyone sees it and it happens every week from every team. But he genuinely makes more excuses than anybody else for his team gets beat. The pitch, the the referee, the weather, the ball, everything you want. But when they wins. Rather than acting like a man with a bit of decorum and a bit of, like, you know what, like, we won, but I'll conduct myself in a proper manner. You're right up into the fourth official's face, giving him absolute dog's abuse. And like Marty said, pulling your hamstrings is absolute karma, big man. You can't do that. It's absolutely embarrassing. And to say, he actually made a comment which I found quite, maybe he, he maybe didn't think about saying it, but it was quite distasteful if he did think about it. When Ryan Mason, whose career ended with a head knock, he questioned the legitimate nature of the non-red card for Yota. And Klopp says that Ryan Mason should be using his head before he starts talking like that. And I'm like, all right, the man whose career was ruined by a head knock or a clash of heads, not a foot to the head. But this is a man who his career was cut short and you're now telling him that he should be thinking about his words in regards to that challenge that almost took one of his players' heads off. Yeah. Klopp's just... He... He used to be one of those folks that used to like like the the whole rock and roll football, and he's like all oh, action, and he's like loves the fans. And that I get it, I can see why folk would love him, but mm, he's 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 growing. But I'm growing a bit tired of his actions, to be honest. When you when you talk about his excuses as well, Shan. Now, fair enough. I think that the chances are he's, he's maybe it's not been a thought of his when he said he should use his head. Yes, but when he was asked about that challenge on Jota, he turned the interviewer turned around and said Mason says it should have been a red card and instead of discussing the red card he then says Tottenham should look at how they play football and shouldn't be worrying about this sort of stuff because they are a counter-attacking team they do that very well but some of their football is not very good and you think to yourself you didn't ask about Tottenham style please nope. talking about a Something that should have been a red card, where that player's ended up going on to score a last yeah, winner. Exactly, and I, like to be fair, like you said, completely. Off, like, he goes away from the topic, which was the question that was asked him. But also, Tottenham actually played pretty well to get himself back into the game. So I don't know where he's coming from saying that Tottenham are only only a counter attacking side. Well, mate, if they're if they're only that, and you were three 0 up, and you had to scrape a last minute four three win, what about your defence? Like, if you want to go off, if you want to go off topic, then we could be like, well. You know what? Big Virgil had an absolute nightmare. Like the defense was all the gaff. Like so, let's no deviate away from the actual question. The question was the red card and the legitimate nature of the question of where was that red card? And he goes off for a total tyrant. Yeah, I think if uh, Klopp ever goes up with football management, he should definitely have a wee look at going into politics. <laughs> well, being a liar. <laughs> right. So with Klopp. Obviously, being a role model, the other role models we have are players, and I'm not sure whether you boys seen it, where there was Leeds fans outside the the hotel, um, a young lad with a Leeds strip shouting on the Leeds players, and every single one of them walked past them and ignored them. Now, if we talk about football being becoming more like a business, this is almost a case of that where you've got these fans, these young fans who are quite impressionable, wanting to see their heroes and being completely ignored. What did you make of it, Shan? 
I'll keep this short and keep it extremely sweet. Um, disgraceful. Simply disgraceful. These players get paid thousands and thousands of pounds and yet they have zero manners. They have these kids and the, the families. Now, to go to a Premier League game, it's not cheap. To go to an away game, including the travel, isn't it cheap. These kids are going there early to try and meet their player, to meet their heroes, or staying late to try and meet their heroes. A wee sign that's been made at home, a lot of a lot of effort, a lot of care and everything, just to try and meet somebody in a Leeds jersey. Like the, the excitement in that wee boy must have been absolutely wild as his heroes walked past him. And he must have walked away absolutely deflated. And his dad, his parents, whoever were there, must be walking away thinking, This isn't it. This isn't right. This is a kid, and you've absolutely patched them. It's shocking. I think the club should be made. Every club, not mean just leads as a punishment. They should be well more involved with the local community. So that is, that is an absolute shambolic trophy leads. And I'm not saying it's it's only leads. We're not targeting just leads with us. It probably happens up and down the country. Yes, but yeah, you're totally right for them to walk past and not do it now. I've seen on social media today that Leeds have apologised and they're trying to get the kids' details so they can invite them along. Now, no doubt they'll invite them along. They'll take lots of pictures. They'll give them lots and lots of goodies. But it just leaves an absolute sour taste. Yeah, it's an afterthought, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is, yes. It's almost damage limitation rather than being proactive with it. Yeah, that wee laddie has travelled all the way to Bournemouth from Leeds. It's a fair journey. With his full kit on, he's got the socks on, he's got the shorts on, he's got his wee scarf on and his strip on with a wee jacket. And all he wanted was a couple of photos or a wee high five or something like yep. that with his players. He's even actually shouting a couple of players' names. I think you heard it. Yep. He was shouting on the boys Somerville, was it? And somebody else. Headphones and on. Headphones he on. He didn't, didn't even want to talk to him. He's a wee laddie, for God's sake. A seven-year-old boy. He must have been six or seven-year-old. And he's yep. travelled all that way. And all he wanted was a wee couple of photos, maybe an autograph, a high five, a couple of photos. That's what he wants, and every single one of them walked past him. It's um, it's weird because this is like this kid probably has Leeds posters on his wall, and mm-hmm. he goes to school with his wee top on and dies to meet. A, if he even got a fist bump for one of the players, that'd make his life. It makes his day for a start. You know, I mean, you go him like, oh, by the way, I got a shirt from Tyler Adams, or I got Patrick Bamford's um, autograph. Autograph with that, a picture of him. Mm-hmm. And you just completely headphones on, like you said, he'd done and walks through. You've got a responsibility and you failed yourselves and failed the fans. I such a shame, yeah. yeah. Um, up in Scotland, a couple of things I want to just quickly go over as well. So, we've seen Hibbs' red card for Jimmy Jago get uh, rescinded, so he's now free to play for the rest of the season. Um, after the appeal was successful, which, let's be fair, we, <laughs> after some of the decisions, we, as clear as that one was, it wasn't a red card. There was still part of everyone thinking they might just uphold themselves. Yep. But in the Rangers versus Celtic game, early on within the first, well, within the first opening seconds of the game, uh, Lindstrom puts a, a fairly hefty challenge on Jota. Kyogo. Yeah, Kyogo, sorry. Puts a fairly hefty challenge on Kyogo, takes him out, and nothing gets done about it. Now, if you're comparing that to the Jimmy Jago one, that's a red card all day long. Did you see it, Shannon? What did you make of it? We said off air that if that foul 
was Joe Newell on Kyogo. There's at least a yellow card coming his way. Now, before anybody accuses me of bias, I'm not against tackles of that manner. It's not like he's welded over the ball and he's straight on in the shin and he's won the ball, but we know, like I said, I'm not against the tackle, personally. It's the rules in which we are now having to work with. Now, if you're saying that Jimmy Jago is a red card with, like we said last week, very little excessive force because he's already at his most... He's already stretched his body to his max before he makes contact with the ball. Lundstrom, wasn't he? Lundstrom made that contact. That, that, a lot of that power came straight for the hip. He was quite low. He was close to the ball and he knew what he was doing. He was laying down a marker just like Shinny knew what he was doing. Everyone knows that tackle is completely different for the Jiggle one. But like we said last, we've said before, that's a Ranger-Celtic game. If if the referee had given a red or even a yellow at the start of that game, then the, the dynamic of the game is completely changed. Folk lose their mind. That's never a yellow. That's never a red. But it seems to be that a, a, a Jiggle tackle is given as a red and Stuart Dougal double downs on TV and completely backs his mates up and then he gets rescinded and looks foolish. But nobody else, yeah, exactly. But nobody will say a word about the, the Lundstrom tackle because, yes, it's fair and yes, it's firm, but it's no different from the Shinny one, the Jago one. We've seen the boy and Ryan Edwards get sent off for Dungeon United against Hearts in the season. I don't know if it's Hearts, actually, I forget. I was Hearts, I think. Um, it's just there's no consistency, and that's the thing, like we said, if this is a different team playing, is it a different outcome? Quite possibly, yeah. I think if you look at it, um, I think the only reason that he wasn't booked or sent off is because it was in the first minute, and that shouldn't matter. I mean, it's Liam says it was a, a fair but firm tackle. I don't think it was a fair tackle at all. I think it was overly aggressive. I think, and if but the way referees work now, if you look at if that was in the twenty fifth or the twenty sixth minute, for example, I think he'd have been booked at least booked for that. But because it's in the first minute and the game has just started and everybody's all hyper and excited. That's why he wasn't even booked. But well, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. If you go back to last season, and Liam, you'll back me up on this, when Motherwell played Tibbs in the Scottish Cup uh, for a park, I mean, a minute a minute and a half into the game, that boy, uh, who's that saying off? What's his name again? Mugabe. Mugabe, late, a late lunge on Josh Doig, a minute and a half into the game, and Willie Collum sent him off red card, and it was a red card. Yeah. But how can you do it in that game? And then it's almost, it's almost a similar tackle. He's, he's flying in, he's out of control, and he catches Kyogo. So is it just because it's a Rangers Celtic game, or is it different referees? I don't know. But for well, me, John Lundstrom should have been booked for that tackle. I was going to counter that, Marty, actually, with a different example, saying that I'm sure it was the League Cup final last year where Hibs played Celtic. I mean, yeah. was it maybe Hibs played Rangers? I'd forget. We played, and Paul Hanlon got booked after like ten seconds. Yep. Remember, it went down the left. I'm sure it was against Rangers in the semi-final actually. Yep, Joe Rebo, he got booked yep. after like ten seconds. Again, that was that was not as um, forceful as Lundstrom's tackle, but you can you can genuinely see why the other ten teams in the league are convinced that there's a different set of rules for the for the players and the teams involved when it comes to Rangers Celtic. Can you imagine the uproar if you're given a red card so early in the game? Right, Shan, what do you make of uh, uh, Todd Cantwell's behaviour um, during the? The old firm match. I find it so odd. Now, for anyone who's not seen the clip, uh, Malik Tillman is down injured 
when he's um, managed to injure himself, fouling Greg Taylor. I think it actually wasn't given as a foul. It ended up going for a throw-in for Celtic, but it was a foul. In essence, he's, he's not got the ball. He's managed to injure himself in the process. He's on the deck. The Rangers fizzles came on. Now, as always, they've got water bottles. That's a given, even at amateur Sundays, juniors. If somebody comes on with water bottles, both teams realistically will help themselves and no players ever, ever question it. It's just a bottle of water. But Rio Tati goes over to get a bottle of water from the Rangers physio bag. Now, that would never be questioned in any other game ever, anywhere across the globe. But Todd Cantwell goes out his way to not even get, not even just deny him a bottle of water, but to actually pick up the bag and move it two, three yards out the way so that Hatati gets the message that there's you're not getting no water. So Hatati looks like he's just been totally crestfallen, like, what? What's going on here? Walks away, comes back two seconds later and walks towards Tavernier and Morelos, who both of them just give him like that nod, like, I hit myself, pal. And he takes the water. And Cantwell's just sitting there, like, looking just so in disgust at Hatati for even attempting to take a bottle of water. I find it all very bizarre. Mark, you've seen it, eh? Yeah, I've seen it. It's childish. Very. Uh, I think the the thing that Todd Cantwell, I, I think he's a decent player, but I get the I get the impression for him, and I might be totally wrong here, he might just shoot me down if you want. My impression on him is he's got that attitude as, as if I'm a good player. I've played in England. I'm too good to play in this league. I'll do whatever I want. That's yeah. the kind of attitude that I get for him. That's the impression I get for him. And he'll yeah. he'll he'll learn quickly in Scottish football that that'll no that'll no work because he'll keep the, he'll keep doing that and somebody will clatter him and they'll yeah. not like it. So I think that, he I think he thinks that he's here like by mistake. Oh, I'm I'm too good for this league. I'll, I'll show you. Like he's got like a proper nasty like that's like I've seen like loads of comments on social media from all fans, not just Celtic fans, every fans, even Rangers fans saying that's pathetic behaviour. I know, very odd behaviour. Totally. But that. Right, um, we'll have a quick look as well. Managerial merry-go-round, as Marty quite uh, rightly put it earlier on. It seems to be rusting up a bit. There's not much happening there. <laughs> the only bit of, bit of note is Barry Robson is being given the Aberdeen job on a full-term basis, which, considering what he's done over the past six, seven games, quite rightly so. Um, he's done a grand job so far. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for the rest of the season. How many years was it, Shams? A two-year contract. Two-year contract, mate. Yeah. So, well, we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. Right. Well, let's get away, go in our holly bobs, and head over to Spain, mate. What's been happening in Spain this week? Well, match day thirty-two. We're kind of coming towards the conclusion of the season. Uh, match day thirty-two started with a two-nil. Away win for Real Sociedad away at Osasuna to firmly give them probably stick on for the Champions League now ahead of um, Betis and Villarreal. Saturday seen bottom of the table Elche produce a 4-0 home win against Rayo Vallecano. Where that came from, nobody will know, considering Rayo beat Barcelona midweek. Um, Real Madrid uh, defeated Almeria 4-2 at the Bernabeu. Barcelona hammered Betis 4-0. Betis with their 13th red card of the season. And again, I've seen it again, and it's an unfortunate one. It's never a red card for second yellow for Edgar Gonzalez. Um, relegation threatened Valencia succumbed to a 2-1 away defeat to Cadiz. Massive result for Cadiz in their um, efforts to keep themselves safe. And Espanyol 
defeated Hitafi 1-0. Massive, massive win for Espanyol. Gives them a chance of survival. And today, um, currently just now, is Mallorca beating Athletic Club 1-0. And it will be Sevilla versus Girona at 8 o'clock. At the top of the table, Barcelona obviously still got their gap of 11 ahead of Bar- uh, Real Madrid. Sorry, Atletico Madrid and Real Sociedad make up the, split, the places for the Champions League. Down the bottom, Elche are still going down despite their 4-0 win. They can be mathematically relegated um, next round of fixtures. Hitafe and Espanyol currently hold the 18th and 19th positions and Valencia, Almeria and Real Valladolid are all only two, three, four points above the drop zone. So it is very narrow down the bottom above. Still pretty tight, isn't it? It is, aye. Hey, Marty, what's been happening in Italy? Uh, results started on Friday. Uh, Lecce boosted their survival hopes by a 1-0 win against Udinese. Uh, Spezia are still in massive trouble. They lost at home in Monza, 2-0. Saturday, AC Milan and Roma drew 1-1 in Rome with both goals coming very late in injury time. Roma taking the lead and AC Milan scoring by basically the last kick of the ball. Sunday, Inter Milan oh, near enough sealed, sealed the league title for Napoli with a 3-1 win against Lazio with three goals in the last 12 minutes. Verona now move on the same points as Cremonese after a 1-1 draw with... Uh, Verona go on the same points as Spezia after a 1-1 draw with Cremonese. Napoli drew at home with Salernitana. They were four minutes away from clinching the title, but Salernitana stole a draw. Uh, Fiorentina all but ended Sampdoria's day and said they have a 5-0 win in Florence and Sunday night Bologna drew 1-1 with Juventus that leaves Napoli 18 points clear 18 points to play for uh, Lazio still second Juventus third Inter fourth now AC Milan fifth Roma sixth and the bottom three Verona and Spezia are now on the same points with only goal difference keeping Spezia above the bottom three Cremonese and Sampdoria are basically relegated unless a miracle happens, but that won't happen. So, um, just one extra thing: last midweek, Inter Milan sealed their place in the Italian Cup final with a two-one aggregate win over Juventus, and Fiorentina ended uh, got to the cup final when they knocked out Cremonese. So, the cup final now is Inter Milan against Fiorentina on the twenty-fourth of May in Rome. So, that's your latest from Italy, Bob. It's looking pretty exciting as well for the the Champions League places, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, Inter now, there's only six matches to go. So, Inter and Inter are fourth, AC Milan are fifth, uh, with 57 points each. Roma are sixth with 57. Uh, Atalanta, Atalanta are just outside on 55, and Juventus are third on 60. Lazio on 61. So, there's only, between seventh and second, there's only six points. Nice. Um, so, it's going to be an interesting last uh, six games of the season. Certainly is, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Right, Shannon, what's been happening in Germany? Uh, match day 30, our uh, premonition of Bayern not winning the league lasted a week. Um, Dortmund dropped points away to Bochum with a 1-1 draw on Friday night, which they were denied an absolute stonewall penalty. You think VAR in Scotland's bad? You should see the penalty that Dortmund didn't get. Shocking. Yeah, I was going to bring this up. It's mad, doesn't it? Oh, I, 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 that just reeks of corruption as well, Chris. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Freiburg's hopes of a Champions League place boosted again with a 1-0 away win to Cologne which leaves them in 4th place um, Leipzig keeping on their heels with a 1-0 home win to Hoffenheim Schalke came from 1-0 down to win 2-1 with 2 late goals to give their uh, chance of survival a real boost and on Sunday Bayern pretty basic 
2-0 home win against Hertha Berlin. The standings now are, with four games to go, Bayern one clear of Dortmund, who are five clear of Union Berlin. Freiburg make up the fourth Champions League place. And down the bottom of the table, Hertha 22, Schalke 27, Bochum 28 and Stuttgart 28. That's the bottom four. Mate, so I don't know if anyone should have watched the, the Dortmund game, but basically the ball gets played into the box. The player, the striker goes to move, make a movement towards it and the defender clears him out without going anywhere near the ball. Mm-hmm. Absolute clears the, the striker out. Even if you can say that the striker didn't have the ball, it would then be an off-the-ball instant. It was absolutely horrific and how you can't give... And it's not even like it was a wee pusher, it was a... It was an absolute, it's a, a lunge as well. Yep. It was uh, absolutely bizarre that that wasn't given as a penalty to start with or for VAR to pull them up and say that was a penalty. If you get a chance, go and watch it. As Shan says, there is a, <laughs> that you would never want to think it, but there is a hint of proper corruption of that one. Well, the thing is, the referees, the German Referees Association, or the equivalent of, have came out since then I made a statement saying that it was wrong and should have been a penalty. The apology doesn't give them the points. No, that'll be, so, that'll be another asterisk beside their name at the end of the season saying we lost the league by a point, but we got an apology. We got shafted, exactly. Yeah, that makes it better. Eh? Yeah. Right, boys, I think that means that we are now looking ahead to this weekend's fixtures. Um, The Scottish Premier League is back now with the first fixtures after the split. And the Saturday sees Hibs at home to St Mirren, Motherwell at home to Kilmarnock, Livingston travel up to Ross County, and St Johnston are home to Dundee United in a Tayside derby. The Sunday sees Hearts versus Celtic at Tencastle before Rangers play Aberdeen at Ibrox. Some of these games are obviously dead rubbers now. We've we've lost the excitement of who's going to be in the top six, who's going to be in the bottom six. Um, But there's still a lot to play for in terms of European places and relegation. What do you boys make of the fixtures this weekend? I think uh, your team against Dungeon United, Bob, off. What a massive game that is for both teams. I mean, if, if Dungeon Knight were to win that and the other results go the way that you don't want them to go, then your team could be in a little bit of bother. But oh, some cracking games. I mean, Ross County have... Who's it, who's it Ross County against? Who's Ross Lovington. County playing? At home. Yeah. Well, the way Livingston are going, you've got to fancy Ross County to get something there. Kamanuk against Motherwell. Is that at Rugby Park or Fur Park? Uh, Fur Park, mate. Tough one for Kelly. Um... But they, again, they could get a result there. Quite, I mean, comfort, quite confident with Hibs against St Mirren? Or? Oh, I wouldn't say I'm totally 100% confident, but uh, it's a home game. Is You've got to be looking to win your home games. You've got to get to where you want to be. So Hibs' aim is to get into European spots. And if you want to get there, you have to win games like this. Yeah. Considering who we've got to play after that. So this is one of the, the five games that we've got left that we really have to win. Yeah. Sham, what are you making of it? Um, I think Hibs, like Marty said, if we're looking for any sort of progression towards a European place, you really have to look at the St Mirren game as the arguably the easiest. Not No disrespect to St Mirren, they'll look at Hibs and think that's the easiest game as well they've got coming up. I think that if Hibs were to get three, then they could at least 
go into the next round of fixtures, which are pretty tough, away Aberdeen, Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, before we finish up, and at least maybe try and get some points on the road. If you don't get anything in this game, then your season effectively ends because you're not going to go up to Aberdeen and pick up three on the back of a defeat. It's going to be a big ask. And then you've also got the old firm before you play Hearts. But the, I think more of the excitement is actually down the bottom, to be fair. I think Aberdeen will get third place. I think that's fine. I I, I, I think they've got a better chance than Hearts do. So the, the it's the Ross County living... The, sorry, Ross County, St Johnston, Dungeon United and um, Kilmarnock scenario. That's what I'm more interested in than now. It's going to be really, really close to the, the finish line. Excitement is not the word I would use. No, not for you, no. Not for you, personally. Sure, no. dread. dread. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll have a look down south at the, the fixtures now. We've still got a lot of midweek games happening. So tomorrow night we have, or tonight we have Leicester versus Everton. On the Tuesday, Chelsea travel to Arsenal. Wednesday sees Liverpool at home to Fulham and Man City at home to West Ham United. Thursday we have Brighton at home to Man United. Um, then that leads us on to the weekend games where Saturday has Bournemouth at home to Chelsea, Leeds travel to Man City, Spurs are at home to Palace, Wolves at home to Aston Villa and Brentford travel to Liverpool in the evening kickoff. Monday sees uh, Sunday sorry sees Newcastle at home to Arsenal, West Ham at, at home to Man United, and the Monday we have three games: Fulham at home to Leicester, Everton travel to Brighton, and Nottingham Forest at home to Southampton. And you've got to reckon by the end of that game there, there's going to be at least one of those teams totally relegated. Yeah. What do you boys make of some of these fixtures? Considering the stage we are at the season, and some teams, as you says, can't really do anything, can't really move anywhere, there's still a lot of very exciting games. I exactly. think I think by the time we do a podcast next week, it'll, the the position at the top will be a lot clearer, the top four will be a lot clearer, and the bottom three will definitely be a lot clearer. After these games, I think a lot clearer. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Oh, definitely. I think that um, I think Monday especially, um, Everton. Never mind having Leicester away tonight. They've got to go to Brighton. Goodness <laughs> Christ, that's, a, that's probably the last place you want to go. Um, Southampton, like we said before, Southampton are really, they've, they're already in the last chance saloon. But Nottingham Forest, they've got to travel to Forest. Forest will be looking at that game thinking, we could bury them and get ourselves out. That could get rid of at least one possible relegation contender. And we could claw ourselves out the drop zone with a, with a win, potentially, at home in Southampton. And then, like Marty said, I think the, the, the top of the table will be a lot clearer. I think if City pick up three against West Ham and then pick up three against Leeds at home, which you'd imagine they would do, Haaland will probably get at least six. <laughs> and then you've got to look at them be thinking, then Arsenal have got to go to Newcastle. Yeah. Hoping, even hoping to hold on to City's coattails. Chris, good luck with that. Yeah. I, think City, I think City will win their two home games. Yes quite comfortably oh, and I think Arsenal yeah. will beat Chelsea but Newcastle away is a totally different animal yeah, yeah. I think City could score a combined 10 at home it leads in yeah. West Ham so Arsenal got their work cut now yeah, yeah. right um, this is almost bringing us to the end of the pod then guys as usual we just need your performance of the week 
Um, San, I'm sure I went to you first last time. So, Marty, I'll come to you first time. Who's been your performance of the week? My performance of the week isn't a team this week. It's a player. And I'm going to give it to him because his coolness and his quality of finishing, my performance of the week is Billy Mackay. Now, he got that penalty early on in the in the cup final, the semi-final, sorry. And I was no doubt in my mind that he was going to score. And he tucks it away. But his second goal, I, I don't know if both of have seen it. It was a counter-attack by Inverness. It's gone to the left and the cross has come over. And the way that he's cushioned that with the inside of his foot on the volley, it was a relatively tight, it was a, I would say a tight angle, but it was a, good, a decent angle to get the ball in the back of the net. And he's cushioned that so perfectly into the far corner. It was a classy, classy finish for a really good player for that league. So his two goals, his coolness and just his quality of finishing is my performance of the week is Billy McKay at Inverness. It's an absolute, absolute legend up there, isn't he? That's his hundreds. I'm sure it's his hundredth goal. Yes, for Inverness. That's a, that's a fantastic um, achievement. To be fair, classy finish. His second goal, absolute classy finish. Shan, who's your performance of the week? Mine goes for a player as well, um, and one that probably didn't get any real highlights because he didn't score and didn't assist. But for us um, Scotland supporters, um, it was brilliant to see Billy Gilmore back in the eleven for Brighton. Deserby was absolutely praising him to the, the high heavens. He was involved in everything. I've seen all the snippets of him picking the ball up, doing what Billy Gilmore does, take it in short um, in difficult areas where he's back to back to his opposition goal. He's able to like, thread the ball. His weight of pass is good. His first touch and his vision's always been fantastic. It was just good to get him minutes on the grass. Um, and also with, with Brighton potentially moving McAllister and Caicedo both on in the summer with inevitable bids coming in, it would be good for Gilmore to get um, a bit more time on the pitch and he done his done his cause no harm at all so yeah well my my performance of the week is going to be Brighton <laughs> so <laughs> almost along the same lines as you Shan I just think as you alluded to earlier on Shan Brighton made five changes to a team now if you make five changes to your team from a team that's been doing really well already you can sometimes get a bit of disjointment in it people that haven't maybe played with each other as much, it sometimes takes a while to, to take over. But to hammer Wolves, who, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're at the wrong end of the table just now where they would probably want to be. But to hammer them 6-0, it was, uh, it was a, a water result. So, yeah, my performance of the week goes to, to Brighton. Yeah, at least there's no West Ham this week, Abel. Mate, I was. <laughs> and then they got the fourth three off of Palace. <laughs> <laughs> I thought after after getting beat two one off of Liverpool and then getting beat four three at Palace, I thought I'd struggle to to edge in any sort of back <laughs> to give it to West Ham again this week. But yeah, no bubbles this week. No bubbles this week, mate. No, yeah. just tears. <laughs> Right, guys. Well, thank you so much for your time. That brings the podcast to an end. Um, and I'll get a catch up with you later on in the week. No worries, guys. Take care. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. See you. See you.